Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to the Film Survivor Podcast. I am your host, Tom Santilli. I am here today with my uh, special guest, a dude I've known for a long time, uh, Adam Graham, the Detroit News. What's up, Adam? Hey, what's up, Tom? How are you doing? I'm doing good, dude. This is slightly awkward because usually every time we see each other, we just start like kind of ripping on each other and yes. going through material that we've kind of prepared through the week. Yes. Yeah, and I came out here. I feel like I'm in a witness protection. <laughs> I drove out here to the country. You kind to, of are. Uh, join yeah. you in your home studio. Um, we are in a secret location that will never be found by man unless you have absolutely very specific instructions. Very. This is this is very true. You know, I was going up north this weekend, but I feel like I'm I'm already. Thanks for wearing the uh, the bag over your head on the way in. Yeah, uh, that was. That was helpful. Um, so Adam is again okay. You're Detroit news critic. That's yes. kind of like the big wig in town. Let's let's face it. You're like the, I wouldn't uh, say that. Well, that's the big print publication in town. You're uh, the, the news critic. Um, yes. you've, you've been doing that for a couple years. Yes. Uh, and we have you have something coming out that we'll talk about in a little bit longer. It's uh, a series of '90s films starting yes. with 1990 coming out the Maple. Why don't you just kind of tease it a little bit? It's called uh, '90s on Maple. It begins this Wednesday, June 28th, um, and it is me uh, curating, for lack of a better word, a, um, a series of films from the 90s. We're doing um, one movie a month, and we're going to do every year of the 1990s. So we're starting with 90, next month will be 91. August will be 92 and so on. We're going to we're going to knock out the 90s. Um and I'm excited about it. Like it they I'm choosing the films. Uh we're going to show them it's it's a secret. Uh, yes. Although we're offering clues as to what the films are, uh, but you won't know. I mean, you you can probably figure it out. And that's not that's not just to be a dick. It's just that's like a social interaction kind of thing. Yes, you're trying it is. To do with like it's, social you media. know to, to stoke the fires right. of uh, social media yes. and engage the audience. <laughs> Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to, uh, to kind of like, like we have the first four movies locked in and, um, I think that the four films are very representative of myself and my tastes, uh, which of course they are because I chose them, but these four in particular, I think say a lot about me and kind of the, the movies that shaped the way I think about film. Um, when we were when we were figuring out what to do, um, you know, they they had they had asked me, you know, do you want to do something in the eighties? And I was like, you know, not really. I'd rather do the nineties because the nineties is really when I when I came, you know, came into my own as a, right. um, you know, my my tastes were formed. It's funny. I think the things that I'm into the most, like my favorite movies and my favorite albums, all came out between about nineteen ninety and nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like I don't know when you're when you're fourteen fifteen years old. You're kind of figuring things out for the first time yourself, and these are the things that kind of you know set forth in motion the way you think about certain things. So, I mean, my favorite album is Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, that came out in '93. Uh, okay. My favorite movie of all time is probably Point Break, came out in 1991. Uh, so, you know, these, so we these, might that might be a teaser as to what we could expect next month. For it the could 91 be. Series. Well, we don't know yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the '90s are, are my jam. The 80s weren't so much. I would have had to fake the first four or five years. Like, oh, I guess uh, Against All Odds was cool or whatever. <laughs> well, the, so. the, you know, but the 90s are cool now, too. You know, like, it's like they're their own thing because it's enough time has passed and it's kind of, like, old now. It doesn't feel like modern times, you know. And it was kind of 
there was so much going on in the '90s that it's unique to the '90s, obviously. So certainly, yeah. um, and then in the '90s were really kind of a you know explosion of independent cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the whole rise of Miramax filmmakers like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino, right. Steven Soderbergh, who kind of changed the game. Um, and, and now, yes, enough time has passed that you can look back upon it fondly. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're celebrating the '90s on Maple, beginning uh, this Wednesday. And if you go, I think it's eight dollars, and you get a free small popcorn, and you get to listen to an introduction and an outroduction uh, from me. Sweet, yeah, and you're there in person. People yes. get to meet, even if you don't in care about movies. You can go to meet Adam Graham, or even if you don't care about Adam Graham, which I don't know why anybody should, <laughs> you can go see, um, you know, cool movies on the big screen that you've probably never seen on the big screen unless you know you saw them back then. So we'll get back to uh, talking about this 90 series, but you know, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of other things while I have you on the podcast. The Neon Demon? The Neon Demon. <laughs> well, of course. We'll, we'll see where this goes, but I'm sure it's going to go to the Neon Demon, as it always does. Usually if you talk does. to Adam um, at all, you're usually, uh, within five minutes, you're, there's a Neon Demon reference. There's a Bo Bridges reference, usually, and then there's a reference to... The Love Witch. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yes. The Anna Love Biller's Witch. The Anna Biller's The Love Witch. Yes. Which uh, nobody has seen except for Adam. Uh, and Anna Biller. And Anna Biller. Yes. They both have seen it. They both give it rave reviews. Small. It's a small but appreciative group. And it's available now, anywhere. It is, yes. You can watch The Love Witch. I recommend everybody could should. Should. So, <laughs> well, Adam, I want to start off, too. So on this yes. podcast, a lot of times when I talk to critics... Uh, I try. I, I think it's interesting to kind of find out um, a little bit about your like what what got you. How did you actually become a film critic? When I talk to a lot of people, everybody obviously thinks this is a really cool job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't realize how low paying it is sometimes, <laughs> but uh, they they think that it's cool and they want to kind of know how it happened. Um, I have a unique uh, thing with you because I went to Central Michigan. You went to Central Michigan. I remember you. When did you graduate, or when did you go up there? Um, I got up there in 96. I graduated in 00. Okay, so we were up there the same amount of time. It just yes. took me a year longer to get out. But uh, you were you wrote for CM Life up there. I did. As an entertainment writer. Yes. And I remembered, uh, you know, I read, and, I read and followed your stuff while I was up there, because that was, like, the only... Like, Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Well, you, that was, like, the only thing in town, as far as, you know, if you're into... Uh, this is back when newspapers were a thing, people. I don't yes. know. Go, they still are. Go, yeah, they still are. There we are. So, tell us, though, how did that come about? How did you get onto this career path to where you landed? I mean, did you set out to be a film critic or did this kind of just happen? You followed some opportunities. Uh, I followed some opportunities, the first of which came when I was um, when I got up to Central Michigan University in the fall of 1996. Uh, I opened up the student newspaper, which is Central Michigan Life, um, the first day that I was on campus. And there was an ad in there asking, do you want to review movies? Hmm. Or do you want to be a film critic or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I said, and they said, like, come to the CM Life offices. I did. I went in there and I spoke to um, Chandra Orr was mm-hmm. the uh, was the editor of the entertainment section. We spoke for a couple minutes and she said, go ahead. You, you know, a very Brady sequel comes out this weekend. <laughs> uh, write it up. And I went and saw it. I wrote it up. And that was like my first movie review. I guess in high school, I was on the high school paper. Um, and I had written a couple movie reviews then. I remember reviewing From Dusk Till Dawn. Okay. Um, and I liked, when I was on the student paper in, in high school, I just liked, I liked writing. That was the only thing I was ever good at was writing. I wasn't good at any other, I wasn't good at science class. I wasn't good at math class. 
Um, I was terrible in pretty much in everything except English. Uh, I knew how to. I knew how to write. I felt so journalism was always the, the yeah, thing. Yeah, you well, used to know in, where exactly. I mean, I just knew. I knew that it was the only thing that I. I, I was. I was somewhat skilled at mm-hmm. or that I could do I, and I, I was kind of I was always interested in, in movies and pop culture and all this thing and you know when I was when I wrote in high school I I, I it made me happy and then um, having others read my work and tell me that they read my work and tell me that they liked my work made me happy and so that I, I knew that there was, there was something there so I wanted to follow that so when I went up to Central one of the reasons I went to Central is because they had a journalism program mm-hmm. so I figured I could get a journalism degree and kind of do this thing and that's kind of how it happened I just started reviewing for, for CM Life and I wrote for them for three years before I got an internship at the Grand Rapids Press uh, I wrote in their entertainment section for a summer um, came back to school got an internship at the Detroit News the following summer um which was cool. I, I did like mostly general assignment entertainment stuff. I think my first summer at the news, I uh, I, I think I reviewed the Steve or- Irwin movie. Um, uh-huh. Remember, remember uh, Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a movie. He had a movie. Yeah, and I wow. reviewed it. Okay. Um, and then I went back to school, and then I went. Uh, I, my first job out of college was uh, at a newspaper in um, Palm Springs, California. I wrote at the Desert Sun, so I went out there for a year and a half. Um, but anyway, I mean, that's kind of how it was. I was, I was in newsrooms. I was, I was, um, I was doing other things besides film criticism, but stuff off of the entertainment beat. I was writing about music. I was writing about films, you know, like I remember I interviewed Sean and Marlon Wayans when they came through town on the first scary movie <laughs> okay. when I was at the news, uh, in 2000. And then eventually, um, uh, we switched critics at the paper. Uh, Susan Stark left. Tom Long took over. Yep. Um, I was uh, I was close partners with Tom. I, I hired on at the news in 2002. Eventually, he made a strong push for me to be his second in command mm-hmm. film guy. Um, I did that for a long time. I was his B guy. You know, he would do uh, the week's biggest movie, and I would do the kind of horror movie or the you know the action thing that was opposite that right i did that for i don't know 10 years or something and then tom retired at the end of 2015 and uh, i became the film critic so it was it was kind of a gradual process uh but it started with the college paper and before that it came from you know i i I remember when i was a when i was in third or fourth grade um you know, show and tell, or what you do over the weekend. I would come in and review whatever movies I had seen. Really, okay. I remember reviewing so like, Revenge movie. of the Nerds two, <laughs> uh, Nerds in Paradise to my re- reciting my <laughs> thoughts on it to my fourth grade class. So I mean, it's always kind of been there, and then just like gradual steps to get. Curtis Anderson know. was overlooked in that movie. I um, did you say Curtis Anderson? Is that his name? It's Curtis Armstrong. Armstrong, Curtis Armstrong, and I think he sorry. just wrote a book. Booger, and dude. I talked to Booger. the man. I messed his name up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He just, in his book, I think he details um, the the wild partying that went down with him and Tom Cruise on the set of Risky Business. But I haven't, <laughs> I haven't read it yet. But it's supposed to be good. So when you're at CM Life, though, and you get the job and you're writing movie reviews, was it kind yes. of like a cool, I mean, that's not something, movie review, as people know, like that's not a, a thing. There's not a lot of that happening. Right. Most places, most publications, if they had, even at, at that time, um, 
they might a lot of places don't have their own kind of you know pop culture entertainment writer did you realize at the time you were at cm life in college like that this was like a pretty sweet gig that that would probably lead you uh, on your resume to kind of bigger and better things um i mean I, i knew that it was something that i wanted to do while i was up there and i mean i got my movie tickets reimbursed and i got i paid i mean we got paid at cm life Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that it was pretty special. I didn't know, um, I didn't know what it would lead to, nor did I have any expectations. I mean, yes, it was a different era in terms of media, but I never, I never really considered myself a film critic. I just remember, I, I figured I was a guy who was writing about movies, more like a, you know, movie reviewer versus film critic. I think film critic comes with a certain connotation and I never really put myself in that class. Right. I still don't think I, I still don't think I deserve that title. Um, just because I, I, I figure I'm, I'm more of like an average guy writing about movies um, versus a kind of a, a, a hardcore, you know, somebody yeah. who has um, figured it all out. You're not quoting, um, you're not referencing uh, French film noir from the 40s and 60s and things like that I'm uh, not. in your criticism. No. Th- that's a good segue because the other thing I like to kind of talk about is just the, 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 the whole thing of criticism itself. So you are a film critic, whether or not you refer sure. to yourself as one or not. Sure. Um, but with that comes a lot to the average person. A lot that there's kind of a, you know, stuffiness to that term. Yes. Uh, like what, you know, when you're writing stuff, you know, a lot of times, obviously, you're on assignment, you're doing things like that. But when you now have a platform like the news, you know, again, you're it's the biggest publication in in the state in this market. Uh, when you have a voice, well, technically, the free press is bigger. Okay, but they, but don't, have they a, don't have a film critic. They don't have a film critic, no. exactly. So there you go. But by default, you're the biggest print critic in, in the in the in the game in this market. And uh, with that with that platform, though, like, what do you think? Because it's, it's changed obviously over the years. But what do you think is the role of like film criticism like these days? Like, what what? Why do we exist? What is the purpose of what we're trying to do? What are, what do you try to do? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a good question. It's one that I kind of ask myself sometimes. I like, yeah. you know, um, sometimes I wonder why the studios show us these movies mm-hmm. ahead of time, um, especially when they're bad films or when they know that the the word from them is going to be bad. Like, yeah, what is that helping? I figure. Yeah. Like, I think I'm very. I I'm, I feel very fortunate mm-hmm. that this thing does exist. But I don't know why it does a lot of times. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, I think that my role is to start a conversation in a sense. Um, I I think that every movie is worth seeing. Um, I never I never regret seeing anything. Um, you know, even the even the Transformers movies, listen, I, I don't like those movies, but I feel like, you got to see them and then talk about them afterwards. I like talking about a movie after you seeing it. Like I like talking about a movie after you see it. Sure. And so I think that that's that's what I'm trying to do is to either start that conversation or I don't know, try to help facilitate some sort of conversation about movies because I think that movies are an important part of our culture. I I love I love the act of going out and seeing a film. I think that it's a special experience, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm I think that I'm trying to guide people in a sense, and this this is a very lofty, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, you know. But maybe if if somebody's got you know eight bucks, you know eight to twelve bucks, and they're looking to see what they're going to do on Friday night, like 
maybe maybe I can help either them, you know, pick that film yeah. or avoid something else, or you know, maybe maybe they see it and then they they see a movie, then they afterwards they want to read about because that's what I do. I want to read about a movie after yes. after I see it. Um, maybe just kind of like help guide that conversation. That that, that that's what I figure my, my figure my role is. Um, and I, I do think it's I think it's interesting and weird that it is a thing that you can like do and make money. Right. You mentioned earlier the 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 pay. Yeah. Um. And yes, um, the pay is not through the roof. But I feel like in order to do this as a job, it's pretty special. And so you what you, you trade salary down. Yeah. For the fact that you're going to the movies. Sure. Um. You know, sometimes nine, ten times a week. Um, as kind of a, a, a different form of compensation. You see more movies than anybody. I, I mean, I'm, I I thought I saw a lot of movies. I see probably three or four a week now with a baby. Sure. <laughs> you may, maybe at one point it was like more like five. Yeah. But you come in every week, it's like it blows my mind because like I'll like even research. I'll be like, okay, here's what's going on. I'll look online. And then you always kind of come in with like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's like these other 12 movies that are playing. Uh, like it's someone, one is in someone's basement. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's this one over here. Well, and part like- of it is I, I try to be um, I try to be completist. And uh, I think that that's, you know, I take the job seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I want to I want to weigh in on everything that 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 plays. Uh, you still can't get to it all. I mean, we Tom is still on board. Tom, Tom Long, yeah, uh, he does some of the DFT stuff. Um, but you know, uh, there is a lot. Um, and I, I, for years and years, um, I thought I saw pretty much everything. Um, for years, I averaged about from maybe from 110 to 120 movies a year. Yeah. Last year, when I took over the critic job for the full for for the full for full time for the first time. I saw 224 movies. So oh it just, it's it's seeing everything plus everything that you're not usually seeing. Like I usually wasn't seeing, you know, the ninth uh, animated film of the month. But right. now I'm seeing all nine of those. Seeing that many movies, does it, do you, when you say that you love movies now, which I'm sure you do, yes. I know you do, uh is that come with a different kind of a perspective now when you see 220 movies in a year? I mean, you, you obviously like, is there any part of this job for you that's kind of like, Oh, well here I got to watch it. Like, cause you got to know going in, most people watch movies and they are picking the movie they want to see. Yeah. They, there's already some predisposed like, Oh, I like this story or I, I like that actor or the director or whatever it is. And they go in and they are already kind of predisposed to maybe be interested. You and me, of course, see everything, whether or not it's something that we might have seen on with our own money. You know, sure. if we're not critics, how, through that lens, like what? What is? I mean, does how do you love movies when you see two hundred and some of them a year? Um, I mean, it is interesting. Like, I think that most people that I've talked to, um, since I started doing this job, they might see two movies a year mm-hmm. in the theater. The they probably saw Batman vs Superman last year. And at the end of the year, they might have seen, um, I mean, not even La La Land or Moonlight. Right. Like, they might have seen another, like, maybe Fantastic Beasts or something. Right. I don't know if they're yep. Harry Potter fans. People see two movies a year. I see 222 <laughs> more than that. Um, I, I think the, the the main thing it's done, and, and um, I, I, yes, I still I still love the movies. I, 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 I get excited every time the lights go down. Uh, I want to give everything a fair shake. I try not to be... I try not to go in with any prejudgment. That's why I've, I've talked to you. I don't watch trailers anymore. Yeah. I just try not to watch. I try to know as little as possible about a movie before going into it, just to have that 
the purity of experience. Yeah, as yeah. John Service says, uh, the thing that is the thing that is done for me is um, I find it hard to watch television shows now. Mm. I find it hard to get into There's time or a what? season of TV just because I'm so used to a two hour movie. Mm. Um, hmm. I'm uh, I like a story a, a, a beginning and an end wrapping up in in that short period of time. And the times that I've tried to get into a you know a series since it's just it's been really difficult. I'm currently watching Twin Peaks because I was a Twin Peaks fan back in the day, and that's fun every week. I will get into Big Brother, which starts this week. Big Brother, I man, watch that. Um, but other than that, I mean, I just can't. I, all the big ones, Game of Thrones, all this, I can't get into. You gave them. up on Survivor, dude, recently. I that's did. a whole other podcast. I know it's what a different podcast. I, I can't tell you anything about the last three seasons. Damn, but I for think. about. 10 seasons from, I think, about 15 to 25, I was hardcore into it. And I loved it. I think it's a great show. Adam um, looks a lot like Jeff Probst, too, for people who haven't seen I Adam wish. Graham. I wish I looked like Probst. <laughs> you could just step in probably out there and nobody would notice. There was something else I was going to say. From, it was a thread from earlier, but I lost it. If I think of it again, I'll just, I'll just pop Just in. pop in with it. Yeah, what was it? No, no. I was going to say, like, um, uh, maybe I, I think that it's important... I, I think the role of a film critic is important, and I think that this is coming from a film critic who's saying this. Yeah. But growing up, reading the newspaper, that was always the first place I turned in the newspaper, and that was how I kind of identified a newspaper's personality was through their film critic. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so I, for me, it was always it was always a sacred it was a sacred job. It's a sacred place, and that's why I feel. I feel honored that I'm able to do it. I feel honored that I'm at a newspaper that um, still has a film critic when a lot of newspapers across the country have cut the job Absolutely. entirely. Um, I think it's really special to kind of have a community voice. Um, somebody that lives up the street from you, that's seeing the same thing that you are, that's kind of had some similar experiences, whatever. I think it's 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 ge- there's a geography to it, mm-hmm. and you can't just necessarily pull something off the wire. Uh, you know, one review is not every review. I like the I like the lo- the um the localness of it, locality. Yeah. What am I saying? What's the word? Hype, whatever. Yeah, having somebody even... local, I, I think that that's important, and that's that's part of the reason why I think it's special to do it. I totally agree. And, you know, growing up, and what's so cool about what we do, too, of course, because people may or may not know this, but we are, uh, of course, on Critically Speaking, which is yes. Lee Thomas' show on Fox 2, yes. every Friday at 6.30 and uh, Which Saturday is also mornings. great because yeah. it's, it's local voices mm-hmm. talking about the movies that come out locally and kind of giving, you know, a quick synopsis, like, like I said earlier, starting the conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, uh... I think that that it, it's it's a, it's like man when I was growing up Siskel and Ebert on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. on Channel Seven yeah. was appointment viewing. That's what I was just gonna say because the, the thing about it though, what I loved about that show is it, there's the simplicity element to it, the thumbs up, the thumbs down. But it, that was never why I was watching it. Like I was always into like what they had to say, and like I was so like like mesmerized with like the things that they would pull out of the movie or the way the things that they would see that I like didn't see. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But that, that I like that there's like a complex angle to it and you could always like dive deeper into their reviews like in the in written format yes. papers. But you also had that quick like thumb up, thumb down. Also, thumb. it was at a time when information wasn't super available a lot about a lot of things. This is pre-internet, mm-hmm. so they were exposing you to things that you didn't know existed or were around. I mean, it was it was Siskel and Ebert and Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like 
oh, I didn't, I'd never heard of this movie, you know, things to do in Denver when you're dead or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was kind of, it was helping um, bring exposure to films that you otherwise wouldn't have heard about. It's a perfect it segue be, into Love Witch. The Love Witch, yes. Are we talking about The Love Witch? <laughs> Go yes. for it. Fantastic. Um, everyone should see it. It's a Technicolor, it's a Technicolor dream. Anna Biller, writer-director. What's cool, yes. though, is that there's an angle of that, that I, and I feel that kind of, you know, again, uh, the fact that we're on the show is, is kind of a cool thing because, again, like you said, it was appointment watching to yes. watch Siskel and Ebert. Yeah, and I mean, I, I get a ton of feedback from people yeah. who watch the show, who watch Critically Speaking. It's fantastic. And it always makes me... And then people are watching it, not one, not a one and done. Mm-hmm. They watch it every week. Yes. And so there's a consistency to it. And um, I think that that's pretty special. And like, I'm I'm never not surprised when I hear from somebody that, that says that they see me on the show. And I think it, I think it's great. And it's it's fun to kind of have that community aspect to it. You talked about a consistency. Um, you know, having seen so many movies that you see over the course of so many years now that you've been doing this professionally, is there any trend in your own mind with what you tend to like and what you tend to dislike? Like, are there... Uh, certain actors you hate or that you've noticed, like you just can't get around there, wrap your head around them. Uh, certain actors that you just find you're really into, um, or even certain kinds of movies that you you kind of have a tendency to like, I guess more than off uh, more than others. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure there are, and I, I don't know, like in in terms of like movies that I like a lot. I mean, there's obviously directors that I really like mm-hmm. or certain actors, but I think that there's a kind of. Um, I would. I, I'm super predisposed to be into Baby Driver, <laughs> and I was not into Baby Driver. Not into it. Um, I could have. I could have. If I would have written my review ahead of time off of what I knew about the movie, it was totally different from how it ended up playing out to me. Mm. Uh, I ended up, you know, I think it thinks that it's very cool. I think it it thinks that it's very hip. But it, the things, it 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 would be something that totally plays to my to my tastes. And it didn't, and in the end, it ended up turning me off uh, in a lot of ways. So I, I think that each one is individual, and you don't, I don't really know until until it happens. Um, uh, I really like horror movies as a fan. Um, I don't find that a lot of them are good. But I, I, I like, I, I, I think I'm kind of all over the place. I think that if there's if there's one thing that that, that turns me off, or um, versus excites me, it's like. Give me a story that's modern day, and I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. If you throw me into a period piece, I'm I usually have difficulty with it. Okay. I mean, and, and that, that's that's an unfair blanket statement. Sure, but like I, I I've seen movies, and like I said, I, I try not to see. I know a lot about them ahead of time. Um, what was the one recently? My cousin Rachel. Um, yeah. I knew nothing about it going in, and as soon as it opened, and it was like an 1800s thing, I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." <laughs> um, you know, period costumes and kind of like stuffy accents. Sure, that's gonna be a hurdle for me. Um, but I mean, listen, if you give me a great story within that, I remember seeing uh, Emma uh, Douglas McGrath, Brian and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, Brian and Prejudice and Zombies, exactly. <laughs> that's something that flipped it. Um, and I was predisposed to liking Emma because I loved Clueless so much. Um, but but that was one that was fun within the costumes. I so I'm not I'm not blanket against uh, period dramas or anything like that. Um, as far as stuff that I'm that I'm gonna like or actors I really like, I don't know. There's there's probably too many to list. Um, but I don't like Eddie Redmayne. We know you. <laughs> and I don't like I don't think I like Ansel Elgort at all. Really? Okay. I don't think I like him at all. So some of these new young young guys. Yeah. Uh, those two. Um, the, Ansel Elgort, man. I just don't I don't get him. <laughs> 
and I didn't get him in Baby Driver. Um, I think he's blank. Yeah. I think he's got a blankness about him. And I think that, like, Baby Driver was very specifically tailored to what his strengths would be. But I don't know if he has those strengths. Okay. Um, okay. So, I mean, listen, I'll give him another chance in the next movie. But so far, Ansel Elgort has done nothing. I, I was pumped to see Baby Driver. I have not seen it yet, or I would uh, debate it with you here, I'm sure. Yes, but, uh, we could get into it. That's always the funnest, by the way, of course. When we disagree on stuff, that's always the most fun. Um. Yes. It's more fun than just like going into the studio knowing though that I'm going to be in the minority on certain films. Like it's kind of like you go in like putting the war paint on. You know, you have to you you got to defend yourself. Hey man, there's no right answer to any of this stuff. Yeah, it's all just views and it's all just it's all just opinions and it's. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about movies. We're yeah. not talking about um, you know, peace accords or anything that's that's too too serious. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it, it's fun to debate. It's fun to have conversations about. Um. The arts. With, uh, I, I gotta ask you this too. If I got you on the podcast, I, I'm just, I'm dying to know. Sure. You have a certain technique um, at, at when you do a movie re- review, because I, have, of course, I'm in the theater with you often, and you have a notebook yeah. that you have, you keep with you, and throughout the movie, I'll notice you'll be jotting down things in the notebook. Are you, uh, are these to help you in your writing? Like, are you in your head? Are you thinking of like, did you just think of a cool quip like that you're gonna say about this part of the movie? Like, are you just doing it so you can remember like things like, oh, this guy's name was was George, you know? Or like, uh, what <laughs> what is the secret of the Notebook Man? What can you divulge to us? It's if a, if if a character's name is George, I like to write that down and note that. <laughs> no, it's usually just um things that I'm thinking during a movie, um like we talked about earlier. I see a lot, and so, you know, between the time that I see something and when I write it, I might have seen 25 movies in between. So I, there are things I see that kind of jog my memory or things that I want to remember or comparisons. I just try to take notes as to kind of like what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling during a film mm-hmm. um, so that I can refer back to them later. Um, I, what I, more to the point, I don't understand why nobody else – as a notebook. I know Jimmy James Sanford always has a notebook and he keeps notes. <laughs> but the rest of you guys, I don't know how you just keep it all in your head. Why don't we? I, I tried to do it once and then I it was too dark. Well, for it's me unnatural. Like, and yeah. I know that, that Tom Long, <clears throat> when he when I talked to him about it once, he said that he never keeps a notebook with him because when an audience goes, they're not they don't have a notebook with them. Okay. Um and so he was going for a more naturalistic approach. Me personally, it just helps me kind of remember things that I want to say no. later. Yeah, that's cool. I li- I kind of like the the concept that Tom Long's talking about. Like I kind of like the like letting it wash over you kind of hitting you in the in the ways, you know, because not that it would, but like I feel like I don't want to be taken out of a moment cuz I, you know, drop my pencil or, you know, something sure. with the, I'm distracted by something else. You know, that happens when people pull out their fucking cell phones in the, you know. Whoa, F. Sorry about that. Here I, we yeah, go. Put the E on FCC. This. Explicit. Um no, but the, yeah, if I'm going to swear on here, it's going to be about the segment when we're talking about people using their cell phones. Okay, yeah. The oh, well, listen, um, <laughs> I was just in something recently. I went when we couldn't see. There was no screening of Pac, of All Eyes oh, on Me. Yeah, so we right. saw it with a general audience, and it. <laughs> I mean, it's sad because because of how much I love films and I love going to the movies. I just yeah. don't get to go for fun that often anymore. So I don't get to go with, uh, you know, general audiences. But when I was in the Pac movie, there were a lot of people on their cell phones, and it's just I. What it is is it's um, it's um, 
it's a lack of self-awareness yeah. that when you pull out something that lights up in a dark theater, it's going to attract other people's eyes. Right. It's like, if for no other reason, you should turn it off because you're going to distract other people around you. Yeah. I don't think that people care, and that becomes normal. I see people checking Snapchat during movies. I'm like, what are you doing? I've seen people answer their phone. Like, they're not yeah. even like looking at it. They're like, hello, yeah, it's I'm in a, a movie. You it's know, a it's real like, bummer. Yeah. Um, since a long time ago, whenever, whenever I started having a cell phone on me, um, which, I mean, remember there was a time when we didn't always have cell phones on That's us. That's true. Um, I always, I, just as a general rule to myself, for a number of reasons, I turn my cell phone off in the movie, mainly because I don't want to be distracted by it. Yeah. I don't want a, 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 to get an alert, a buzz, right. and then be like, oh man, who's texting me? I want to watch the movie. Right. I'll catch up with anything I have to catch up with after the movie. Amen to that, brother. Yes. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about a, c- a couple movies. Let's talk specifically. Um, I'm curious to know. We're about halfway through 2017 at this point. Yeah. We all know that uh, award season usually backloads. You know, most of the movies towards the fall. You know, in September, October, November, December. Uh, but this point of the year, we're heading up on June, on July here, end of June. Yes. What what movies are standing out to you as far as movies from 2017 that you really are thinking about a lot right now, think that they might crack your your year-end list. Well, dude, I don't think that you were there for Apes. I was not there for Apes, dude. I was not. Was that awesome? Uh, It's the best movie I've seen so far this year. Wow, we're talking about War of the Planet of the Apes. Is it War of or War 4? War? Oh, I thought it was of. It's either of or 4. Okay. I'm not sure which. But it's incredible. I heard of was awesome and the (laughs) 4 was terrible. Well, dude, whatever this one is... (laughs) It's um it's the best movie of the series by far. Really? Um it's it's the best summer blockbuster that I've seen in years. Which is funny because you were making fun of me at one point that I was gonna pick Andy Circus uh, yes. from this movie in advance. I still hate Andy Circus. <laughs> I can't stand Andy Circus. But he had to have been effective in the movie. I can't stand Andy Circus. <laughs> but yes, whatever he's done in for motion capturing is is important. Dude, that makes me excited for it. Oh my god, this movie it's it's um it is like challenging. Um, I think it's confrontational. Hmm. I think people are going to be made uncomfortable by it. Wow. Um, it made me believe in a world where summer blockbusters didn't have to be, you know, stamped out trash. I it, it made me think while I was watching, I'm like, wow, like what if what if movies were really like this? What if you went to a summer blockbuster and you could be like challenged by a movie and i was expecting none of this um i haven't been huge on the previous films in the series um but this thing just absolutely knocked me out um and i was thinking that i don't know what's going to happen down the road and maybe i caught a vibe that afternoon but i think that at the end of the year this thing could be nominated for best picture really i think it's that good holy moly um and and woody harrelson is awesome in it i was thinking like you mentioned which which guys do i were like I really like whatever Woody Harrelson is doing in this late. It's not even is he mid period. Yeah, I mean, this, is what he was late he in period? The, like the, the little independent movie where he's kind of a weird dude. Recently, uh, it was called. It was his name. Is it, it Arthur or, or Waldo or okay. not Dean? That's Walter or something like that. That was really good. No, Dean was uh, Dimitri Martin. That's right. Um, but it was it was a first name. I think Arthur okay. Jimmy, whatever his name was. <laughs> uh, that was that was good. That was weirdly good. And then he was so good in the Edge of Seventeen last year. Yeah. Um, I think that whatever Woody Harrelson's doing right now. Um, is fantastic. Everything ever spot. since Zombieland. I yeah. mean, Woody Harrelson might be one of my favorite actors, and I never really considered him. 
You know, he was the goofball on Cheers. Yeah, exactly. That's how far back we go with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Uh, and then he was Mickey Knox, uh, and he was great. Like, what a crazy casting choice that was back in the day. But no, War for the Planet of the Apes or War of the Planet of the Apes, whichever it is, um, is 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 it, it's the first thing that got me thinking about the end of the year. Um, other than that, dude, I don't know John Wick two. I liked, but like <laughs> nothing else has stood out to me for stuff that I'm going to be thinking about at the end of the year. And well, even at not- this point, last year there was a, there was a few Couple. things. That were out that had already had made my list. Kreisha was one. The Neon Demon was another. Yeah. Um. And I think uh, everybody wants some was another one. Um. I think when I went back at the end of the year last year, I looked and a good half of the movies were not Oscar season stuff. They were um. They were stuff that came out earlier in the year. I don't. I don't think that that's happened this year. And if it has, then ooh. I don't think it's been a great. I don't think it's been a great year so far. Off the top of your head, what's the biggest movie this year that you have been kind of on your own island with? What's a movie that got a lot of praise that you were not on board with? Oh, something that everyone else liked yeah. that I didn't. Yeah. Um. I think that um, I think that Beatrice at dinner did like eighty percent. Oh, that, yeah, just recently. That's a Selma Hayek, uh, uh, Lithgow. John I despised Lithgow. it. So I know that I wasn't in the majority on that one. Um, I think that um, I think I'm against the grain on Baby Driver. I think a lot of people really liked it. It, it rubbed me the wrong way in almost every way. Um, what else has been big? I know that you didn't like Wonder Woman, which you're still you're on an island on that one. And it's not that I didn't like it. it here's really the the theory behind that is I didn't love it. <laughs> I was kind of in the middle on it. And when I went into Critically Speaking that morning and yeah. we do our thumbs up and thumbs down, you and Lee were so big on it that I was just kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll just kind of go thumbs up. Like I was really in the middle kind of like I didn't I, – I still don't think that it gets the hype that it's uh, that it's gotten as far as being a great movie. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't hate it. it. There's a lot of worse Tell it to my feminist cousin who saw it and cried. <laughs> Everybody is. That's one. That's the one movie this year that I would have mentioned. Like if I was asked that question, because everybody you were asked it. I oh, I was. You. you did, and everybody. Uh, no, I didn't. I made a statement. I you made, made a statement. statement. I didn't ask you. Yeah, but people have bad uh, guest. Bad guest. I get more comments on Wonder Woman than I've gotten on any other movie this year in terms oh, of the yeah. fact that, like, you know, how could you have given that a, you know, middling grade? But hey, average. sometimes that's fun. I just appreciate anybody who's willing to write. That there you go. That, that's how anybody's you make willing it to read. Anybody's willing to write. I I I. I I'm always happy for feedback, except until it attacks you personally, and it's like, dude, yeah, it gets what are you talking like about? That. Well, okay, so we talked about 2017. Now let's go. Let's time warp it back. Let's, sure. Let's, let's circle our wagons here and, and get back into uh, the 90s. Yes. So, so we got again Adam Graham, Detroit News film critic. You are going to be curating uh, this uh, uh, 90s on Maple. DJing, DJing, mixing. Yes. Master of ceremonies. One of the ones and twos. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna be there presently, uh, and you're gonna be putting out uh, a movie a month. Yes, '90s movies, starting with 1990, 90, starting with 1990, and going right through the whole decade. And is it a set day of the month every month, or it's not? Okay, so it's gonna be random. Sometimes it's Mondays, sometimes it's Wednesdays. <laughs> okay, um, and it, I mean it. That has to do with the um, erraticness, yeah, erraticism, erraticism, eroticism uh, of our of our schedules. I mean, we, I mean. You and I don't have a lot of free nights because of this. And stuff pops up on a Tuesday, stuff pops up on a Thursday, and stuff pops up the day before. 
It's just hard to schedule. Yeah. So um, do you have the next couple mapped out, or are you just kind of open? You know, you're going to do it, and not no. Sure we've the date got yet. we've got the first four dates set. Oh, okay. We got dates okay. set through September. You can find everything that you need to know on DetroitNews.com. Um, I believe it's DetroitNews.com backslash '90s at Maple or '90s on Maple. Um, but either Tom will put up a link on on the podcast on the podcast. We will for sure. So this is a series. We're gonna see the first movies of the '90s. We can't talk about what it is because it's a secret. It's a secret. You can, you can find out the secret though. How? Uh, there's clues. Oh, we put out I think seven clues about the first film. Um, and those film those clues have been blasted across our social media channels uh, through the Detroit News. And um, I, let's say I, I know some of the clues because I wrote them. Uh, one of them was the first one was it didn't win Best Picture, but it should have. Ooh. Uh, another one was the director of this film not only invited his parents to the set, but he put them in the movie. Another clue was um, the biggest box office star of all time did not make many stacks off this movie, but he did appear in it in a small role. Okay. Okay. Uh, another okay. clue was I, think um, I got it with that one. I think you know, uh, not a lot of stacks. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. That's a clue within a clue. Uh, another another one was this movie. Uh, what was it? What was it? Didn't do very good with test audiences, and so it opened in half the theaters it was supposed to. Uh, so we're kind of we're you know we're working through the clues. We're, listen, we're not trying to like su- surprise anybody. We're just trying to have some fun with the clues. You know Absolutely. What I mean? uh, and so like you know if you read the seven and you don't know what you're getting into, you can probably figure it out. But either way, listen, this is the best movie ever made, uh, 1990. This is how we're starting it that out. That right there is the biggest clue. We're starting it out with if the best movie ever made. If you listen to this podcast, you should be able to figure it out. Yes. We're starting it out with the best movie ever made, so you're not going to be disappointed. And uh, 1991's a bit of a gamble. Uh, I think anybody that says, oh my god, yeah, I'm showing really cool films. When we get to 91, they might be like, oh my god, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming back for any of the other ones. Uh, that's the biggest... The, so far, the biggest gamble I have is the, is the 91 film. And we'll get to clues on that another time. But not, listen, come on Wednesday. You're about to see the best movie of all time. And you're Wednesday. talking about Wednesday. That is the date is the June... June the 28th. June 28th yes. is the first the first screening. Which is which is it's it's running opposite uh, the premiere of Big Brother. So I know that uh, so the you... Tom Santilli audience will be torn. <laughs> yeah, they will. And okay. Tom Santilli himself will not be at the screening. I, what I think is going to happen is broken. they're going to just screen Big Brother uh, on the screen and Adam's going to just pull a, pull a fast one at everybody. I would love that. <laughs> Uh, well, this is also this is like a, a kind of a flip on a successful thing that's already been going on at the Maple, which is Secret Cinema. Exactly, this is a version of Secret Cinema uh, centered on the '90s and DJed by me. And you said it's eight hundred bucks a person, and it's, you get a free spot, small popcorn. It's nine hundred dollars a person, and you have to bring your own popcorn. <laughs> and you have to bring your own. Popcorn. No, it's eight dollars, and you get a free popcorn, and um, you get to sit with a bunch of uh, like-minded uh, people who are adventurous souls looking to see a movie from the 90s and not knowing exactly which movie it is, but probably knowing which movie it is. Um, is it true that if they pay more money for their ticket, they can be seated closer to you in the theater? It's not true. That's I have, not uh, a I'm, I'm, I'm very inaccessible. During I'm, the show. I'm, I will be in a throne <laughs> And you are not allowed to look. Not, not allowed to make eye contact. No eye contact. No at, eye contact. At the nineties on Steve Maple. Harvey will be uh, very <laughs> proud of me. There you go. So, 
Okay, so and this is going to be a series that continues on. I mean, the thought is you're going to do 10 of these things. Yes, uh, which I think brings us through March. Cool. Cool, cool. March will be 1999. Maybe it's April. But yeah, 10 months, 10 movies. Um, let's do it to it. What do people have to follow to... Uh, to find the clues even for future uh for future screenings and stuff what are the what if are the you places follow to go? detroit news on twitter okay. um they're posting them if you follow myself on twitter which is grammarama uh i retweet the clues uh i believe we also through the detroit news social channels we are we're blanketing them out through there um so detroit news on instagram um i think detroit news on snapchat if you can find us on the social webs then you can <laughs> then you can find these clues and uh, again detroitnews.com backslash 90s at maple 90s on maple i'm sorry uh is is the home you know it's a link for tickets and all that good stuff and there you go uh there you go man there you go and then of course you can find adam and myself on critically speaking uh on tv That's yes on fox 2 every week 6 30 p.m on fridays 9 30 a.m on saturdays adam graham the third most popular critic on Critically Speaking. And falling. Third <laughs> and, falling. and falling fast. Do you want to talk about anything else, dude? We're on a podcast together. This could be a one, a one and dunner. Um, you want to call me out on anything? Um, yes, I do. What was I going to call you out on? No, I don't think we... I think that we covered it. I think that we did a good job. Uh, probably already... We probably said too much. Be a critic on this podcast. What would you? What would? What's the letter grade that you would give this uh, particular podcast? This episode today. This episode today. A plus. A plus. Yes. You got it there from Adam Grant. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna close by just saying the words the Neon Demon. <laughs> I opened with the Neon Demon. I'm gonna close just with so the I can hashtag it when I go yes. share. Oh this my out. god, the Neon Demon. Jeez. Oh, L. Fanning. I, you Tell asked people about, about the actress. Demon because this is a movie that nobody knows what the hell it is because it did to- it did terrible. It did terribly. It was, it was... I don't know why they opened it on as many screens yeah. as they did. I'm no I'm no theater executive. I'm no I'm no studio executive at Amazon, but I have no idea why they opened it as wide as they did. It's crazy. It just it's more absurdity uh, for the Neon Demon. But you you mentioned earlier an actress that, or, or actors that I really like. Yeah, dude, I'm really into whatever Elle Fanning Elle is Fanning. doing these days. I think she's fantastic. Um, she was great. And what was that one? The 20th Century Women. Yes. Um, I think everything she does is. Super oh, she cool. did a movie that nobody else liked, and I thought she was amazing. Like a year ago, too, it was like two girls' names, like uh, Jackie and Gracie, or something like that. Dude, Do you know I what I'm talking about? I saw that. Dude, check it out. Go to, go to IMDb. I need to. Yeah, the Neon Demon is uh, Nicholas Win- Nicholas Winding Refn's yes uh, follow up to Only God Forgives. Only God Forgives. Um, and he's he's a madman, and it's 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 an insane film about beauty. And this is what's funny, too. So Adam, of course, he sees all these movies, but once in a great while, a neon demon comes along. Yeah. <laughs> and the excitement, like, it's like you come in and you're like, dude, why are you not watching this movie right now? Like, why haven't you seen this? Like, you, you and start right, right, now, right now, that film is The Book of Henry. I don't know why you haven't seen it yet. The Book of Henry, which also did terrible, and also, everybody's saying bad, but yeah, you're saying it's, it's bad in a, in a good way. It's, it's fantastic in a great way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's so fantastically bad that it must be seen to be believed. That's amazing. Um, and it, that gives me, I mean, that's highest recommendation right now is the Book of Henry. If you like movies, if you care about movies as an art, you should see this movie in the theater to kind of howl along at it because it is unbelievable that this thing got made. It's unbelievable that it exists. <laughs> uh, it makes zero sense. And those are the kind of things that really excite me. 
It's just something that's so whacked out that you can't even wrap your mind around it. And that is the Book of Henry right now. Um, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. But it is a... Um, I I honestly I think that everybody should see it. I think that it sh- it should be doing um, Wonder Woman numbers just because like if you it, people get caught up in like is it good is it bad like this movie's wild just watch it's it wild you have to see you can't believe that this thing have exists. you have you talked to anybody who has seen this movie yet or is this still just living inside your own brain um, I convinced our friend John Serba to see it okay yeah and um, he had a similar reaction he couldn't believe it um, and then. Uh, <laughs> I think there was one other person. That John Serba, of course, is M M Live. Yes, yeah, uh, the Live. great, the great John Serba. Uh, I worked with John Serba when I was an intern in Grand Rapids, and I I looked up to him then. I look up to him now. Um, I don't know. There was one other person I know who lives in California who saw the Book of Henry, and he similarly had the same. That pretty much matches the box office. Receipts, yeah, I mean I think that that adds up. The thing's dead, but I mean it's fascinating. I think it's 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 a fascinating train wreck. But yeah, it's always exciting when you talk about a movie coming in, and you know, I never know what to think. Neon Demon though was cool. I actually liked it. I was on board, and I there were not other people that liked it. There were people that hated that movie. Hated but there, it. there were people that hated it. There were people that really loved it. I think that's. I mean, that's when it's really fun. Is like when something can be so polarizing. And you understood the hate. It was one of those movies where you kind of saw oh, and agreed I, why people would hate it. Yeah, when I first saw it, I think I I sort of hate, there was a part of me that was just so confused by it. And there was a part of me that kind of hated it, but then there was a part of me that just like couldn't stop thinking about it for weeks. And um, I ended up going back and seeing it like five times, and then I became super obsessed with it. I, you know, the soundtrack is incredible. I brought other people to see it. Um, it the Neon Demon was just a wild experience. I think those are the kind of like those are the things I think that like as movies get more homogenized, you lose insane visions that um, you know that is purely from the director's mind. For better or for worse, I think Book of Henry is one of those. It's just like, what is going well, on? So if, if someone has $8 right now, but, but we Winding want them Refn, to go. Anything that Winding yeah. Refn does is kind of in the same in the same wheelhouse. But yes. If, if someone has $8 right yes. now, we want them to go see 90s on Maple. Yes. But what if we're... If they have $16. If they have $16, you're telling them to go see Book of Henry right now in theaters. That's the one movie you're, you're telling people to go see. 100%. Okay. I would say go see this movie... In the, it, you know, it, it comes with a certain along certain um, brand of moviegoer. You know, like somebody who's really into um, the kind of having a, an experience at the movies, possibly an experience that's going to bleed over with other people in the theater, where you know you guys might start laughing at something together. Mm-hmm. This is a bonding experience. I feel like within the theater, where people are going to be like. You know, you're you're gonna look at the person next to you and be like, dude, is this happening? <laughs> um, it it and it's rare. It's yeah. rare that you get that because even the mummy, which was which was bad, wasn't this kind of bad. And you know, the mummy was just kind of bad in an uninspired way. I kind of liked it. Um, <laughs> Rough Night was bad in an uninspired way. Yeah, Transformers was bad in a soul draining way. Yes, this movie's bad in a really exciting way. Um, and so that excites me. So that's how I that, feel. About that's that. enough reason to go. Yes. To check it out. What can uh, somebody do again? Why don't you throw out your Twitter one more time so people can find you uh, online? At Grammarama, G R A H A M, the letter O. R A M A. It was uh um. It's after Brett Easton Ellis's Glamorama. There you go. And now, uh, what's the best thing that a, a, a fan can do, uh, in your opinion, in terms of interacting with a critic that they might admire? Let's say there's a, 
I'm, I'm going to dream here for a minute. Let's imagine that there's kids out there watching Critically Speaking, yes. thinking that it's appointment television like uh, Roger Ebert and, and Gene Siskel. Sure. They want to... They want to talk to Adam Graham these days. Back then, we couldn't uh, tweet at Siskel and Ebert and tell them that they sucked or thought that their review sucked. Uh, what What do you want people to do when they read your review? Do you Do you want people to be commenting just like, "Hey, man, this sucks," or "Hey, this was great," or "This was right on," or uh, you know, what What do you hope? What do you want from people? What do you um, want, Adam Graham? What do I want from people? I'm just happy. I'm happy if like I don't know. I'm happy if anyone's reading. Really, um, I don't read the comments online. Um, because I think that anybody who's inspired to kind of write something online is uh, on a, in a comment section is it's usually gonna be negative and like I try to avoid that stuff. But like you know, if you have if you have a negative comment, you email it to me. I'm gonna read that because I read my email. Um, I don't know if somebody sees it and they, they want to say something like, uh, you know, just keep watching or something. I don't know. Like some people people come up to me sometimes and they and they say like you know see you on TV, uh, love the show like. That's great. That feels yeah, fantastic to absolutely. hear. It always excites me. Um, so, I mean, that, it's, it's that simple. Or the one time that we were together and uh, they go, hey, it's Adam Graham from Critically Speaking. And then I had to, like, raise my hand and be like, uh, I'm on there, too. I'm on Critically Speaking. And she looked and at me in like, a knowing eh, no, way. No, you're not. <laughs> well, she looked at me. She's like, oh, yeah, you're that other guy. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll take that at least. The other, the other night. Faint recognition. The other night, somebody came up to me and they're like, oh, man, I really like the show, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we were, I was talking to him for a couple minutes. He's like, you know what? I, I don't know what your name is. I'm like, oh, well, it's Adam Graham. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a low-level thing that we deal with here. Well, they must have bust, busted through your security if they got that close to you all, because I know you go with an entourage around town. I usually do, and I usually ask that people do not make eye contact, but I let <laughs> I let this one slide. Well, Adam, anything else you want to uh, throw in there or plug, man, shamelessly here at the end of this podcast? Uh, no shameless plugs, just more plugs for Tom Santilli's podcast, the number one podcast in America right now. <laughs> Um, we're waiting to get numbers back on that, but yeah. I want to always. I want to also plug his interviews with uh, exiting Survivor cast members. Um, I want to say Dalton Ross, <laughs> you've got nothing on Tom Santilli wow. when it comes to covering Survivor. Wow. Um, Dalton Ross, we Tom and I have conversations all the time off the air <laughs> about how how hackneyed you've become. And oh, you're a homer. Yeah. You're, you're on the till. You're on the take. Oh, my goodness. Dalton Ross. On the take. Just kidding. Uh, he's a big <laughs> fan of your work, Dalton Ross. Because um, I know Dalton, Dalton Ross does listen. Dalton can shut me down. I mean, he has power like that. He dude. does. Oh, yeah. he would, but and Dalton's amazing, by the way. You're just Dalton is amazing. Yeah, okay. I'm, just, I'm just joking. Dalton. <laughs> Shout out to Dalton Ross. Um, no, yeah, no. Thank you for having me on. It's all good. Thank Th- you. Very that's much. the kind of guy though that Adam Graham is. He will come on your podcast and then plug your work exactly. I'm to, to your all, own fan base. All, I'm going to plug Tom's reviews on Access.com. Uh, it's the National <laughs> Film Critic for Access.com. That's right. Axs.com. Not Acces. Don't try to type that in. That could lead you somewhere else. Totally, totally uh, mislead you. Yes. Thank Adam you, Graham. Thank you, sir. Good talking to you. We will see you Friday on Critically Speaking. Kaboom. Peace. Oh, and we'll see you Wednesday at the uh, 90s on Maple.